What's going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me as always is my podcasting partner, Paul. Boom shakalaka! And welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, the OG Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That's you guys, by the fans, that is us. Intro and outro music is provided by Park and Main. Check them out over at parkandmainband.com. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at so says J Paul. Dervish of World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. You can find the Phoenix Suns, excuse me, Bright Side of the Sun podcast network on any podcast platform and on brightsideofthesun.com. There you go. You're learning. Check us out on the site. Check us out on those platforms and make sure to click that little subscribe button. So this episode, we're going to dive into right off the bat here, All-Star Weekend. We're coming off of All-Star Weekend. We'll certainly get into the three-point contest. Um, I, I would venture to guess we'll get into Devin Booker's put-back dunk. But Don't spoil things. First things first, I have to say, when they came out with this format, this new format for the All-Star game, I kind of scoffed at it. I'm like, come on, really? Is this going to make anything more interesting? That fourth quarter of the All-Star game... You were wrong. <laughs> well, I was so wrong. So wrong. That fourth quarter of the All-Star game was quite possibly the most fun I've had watching basketball since <laughs> the Suns' 92-93 season. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe even more fun than that. Uh, it, it all started, I mean, that the first play for me when I sat back and went, oh, oh, they're doing oh. stuff, was when LeBron was posting up on Giannis and kind of gave him a little push off, then tried to put up this fadeaway, and Giannis got a piece of it. And then from there, the intensity that that game was played with was awesome. I mean, you had freaking, was it Kyle Lowry out there taking charges? Multiple charges. Multiple. He had at least two attempts that did not did get called charges. Did he take one from LeBron? Like, who he, stands in front of he LeBron? He did, yeah. The psychopath <laughs> stands in front of LeBron. That's who. Uh, he took one from LeBron. Um, he took one from Harden yeah, on a shot that would have been a game winner. It's always funny watching James Harden complain ab- about foul calls. Yeah. Come on, bro. I know. Come on. Yeah. Come on. One more time, Paul. Come on, Come James on. Harden. Don't you ever Your game dare. is getting fouls. You can't complain when you get a foul call. Though. Right. Especially when you lower your shoulder into a defender and knock them over. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, that, that fourth. I can't believe James Harden lost. Could have won that game. Yeah, he he could have. Like he completely like, I, maybe it was just um, fatigue from playing that long without like really good rest or anything, um, and being hungover because you know he he's probably hungover. Shy town. Yeah, you know what else are you gonna do in like four degree weather? <laughs> Drink and go to strip clubs. That's what I assume happened. Yeah, that's what that's what he does. Um, but he was like right there. He had like a clear lane to a layup. Nobody around him should have made it, but he passed it off for a three. I think just out of pure instinct and habit. It was the only other re- the only and like a like a straight brain fart that was that would have won the game. Yeah, and they ended up winning anyway up winning, on that yeah. same possession. But it was it was super weird because you see him going in. I'm like, ah, oh, it's over. I'm like, why did he just pass that ball? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you've got Harden doing that. You, you had LeBron taking the shot from the uh, from the logo, basically, um, from center court, uh, trying to trying to win the game. I thought it was interesting that Team LeBron, once they got to that three point part, like needed three points to win, all they did was attempt threes. Yeah, and and they were they were in a situation where they needed three. 
team Giannis needed four. I'm like, go for two because even if they make a three on the other and you still have the ball to win the game. Well, I mean, it's still, it's a whole uh, mind shift of like how to play that game. I mean, yeah, just the idea that like the game wasn't ending on like intentional fouls Mm -hmm. was kind of, was interesting. You know, like when you've got a two, three point, like a very close game and you're not intentionally fouling, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, I actually was listening to, uh, the um, Zach Lowe today had the guy who like came up with this idea of like it's called like the Elam ending, mm-hmm. and so he interviewed Nick Elam and he was kind of talking about it. And apparently, like teams who are behind in a close game situation, where you know you start do- doing the intentional fouls to try to like get a chance to win, win less than one percent of the time. I believe that. Yeah, so do I. Um, and that doesn't even take into account games where it doesn't even matter because it's too large of a, a a gap. So it's it's a crazy stat. So it's like like I mean I get it. It's like otherwise you don't really have you have like zero chance if you play it any other way. But that's like trying to win the lottery. It takes an interesting dynamic of uh, from a from a betting perspective out of it as well right. because you know. I have a friend who has definitely sat at the end of games going, let's, let's get some intentional fouls here. Some, somebody might have the over and um, throw some points up on the board. That sounds fantastic. Uh, so it takes that out. And, and, you know, going back to the whole. Well, when you, when you have a defined score. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, granted, you can still have an over-under because it's based on. Sure, sure. But, but it takes out that aspect of, hey, let's, let's try to get more points because right. you know what the, what the end, end is going to be. And back to the aspect of them just taking three after three i can see that from that whole mindset perspective too it's a lot cooler to end a game on a walk-off three than to as we saw it end up happening ended on a walk-off free throw right well plus i wouldn't be surprised like they start jacking threes because they're like okay i just want this over right you know it's like three three points it's done yeah and 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 to that point i i I went back after the game because i was kind of curious how long that fourth quarter was because the way the game was going, and I tweeted this out during the game, the fourth quarter, if you needed 24 points, the leading team needed 24 points, it was going to take about you know four minutes because they were scoring at such mm-hmm. a torrid pace. No defense was being played. Obviously, right. that changed in the fourth, but I was wondering how long that fourth quarter actually was. Right. And I went back and rewatched it because I couldn't find it anywhere online. Maybe it's out there now, and maybe it's out there with more accuracy, but roughly at least. I got about 14 minutes and 47 seconds of game time. And and I mean game time meaning like running an NBA clock. I at the 10 minute mark I stopped it right. at, at 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 made shots and what have you. So those guys that were on the court at the end of the game basically played right around 12 minutes or so of real game time at full speed at full speed uh to close it out so i can certainly see the perspective of oh my gosh let's get this over with because we've been out here in addition to playing earlier in the game for an nba quarter straight without without any rest outside of the timeouts and the reviews i'll I'll be really interested to see i mean because obviously it was really exciting so the the nba is going to run with this going forward um, I'll be interested to see um, how, like, coaches and players adjust accordingly, as, 
um, as they go forward. Like, I'd be really interested interested to see um, doing like some hockey shifts. Just like in that fourth quarter. In that fourth quarter, it's like these guys are running. There's no – there's like, you know, rather than playing for like 12 straight minutes, it's like, okay, these guys are going. Whole new set, go hard. You yeah. know, get, get those guys a rest. I mean, maybe it's like, okay, these guys go for three minutes. These guys go for two. So, like, you have, like, the true better – like, the be- the best players you have on the court as much as possible. But, you know, to give those guys a breather and have fre- completely fresh legs in there, you know, like, I would have loved – I mean, I would have loved to see Westbrook in that environment. Like, he didn't – he – you know, he just sat the bench. But, I mean, talk about a guy who's going to play hard in that situation. Right. I mean, he was, like, the the one guy since Kobe who, like, didn't take an all-star game off. Like, you put him in, he's he tried. Right, right. On both ends. <laughs> and I feel like the one guy that stood out to me that actually, I believe, really tried on both ends of the whole game, I think Giannis did. He didn't, like, in the first quarter. He turned it on in the second. Like, when he was like, oh, crap, we're down. And he's like, oh, no, I'm not going to get blown out. And Which is kind of funny because I was going to bring that up. But I was also, um, relatedly, just the – if you just saw the rosters on paper, it's like, what the fuck was Giannis doing? Right. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe that was his, his whole goal was, I'm going to pick a team people are going to question, and then I'm going to win with that team. I don't know. And he almost did. He almost did. And, and you know, one thing that I had a concern about going into that fourth was I'm like, oh, this might not end up being that competitive because I think Team LeBron was down eight or so going into the fourth. Obviously came back and won it. But once they got to within, you know, three points or so, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. And it and it was. And it was. And it was. Yeah. I, I Part of me wonders if there was, you know, a little bit of let's let the other team get back, let them get it back in a little bit just so we can make it close and exciting for the audience, the audience. And that was, and then they're like, Oh no, now I care. Right. <laughs> like the unintentional. Now I care yep. because we made it a close game. Yep. Yeah. And let's talk too. let's, let's step back a little bit earlier in the game to Devin Booker's put back dunk. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know what else to say besides, wow. I don't think I've ever seen him jump that high. Yeah, well, you know, and that's an interesting <laughs> thing you bring up because I... I know he can dunk. I was like, Devin Booker put that thing back, got up there, put it back in some some level of traffic, something we don't really see that often, but has he really ever done something like that before? So I just Googled Devin Booker posterize. And I found two examples that I think are really good examples that show, yeah, he's got that in him. It's just not primarily his game, obviously. Um, And they're both from within, I believe, the last couple of years. One where he posterized, for lack of other term, Kyle Whitworth, if you are familiar with that name at all. A Gonzaga guy. Okay. He was actually, coming out of of high school, a pretty high-level recruit, went to, I believe, Kansas— and then transferred to Gonzaga to finish out his career. But, yeah, he murdered him. And I don't know, Kyle Whitworth has been in the NBA since then. The other one was on Anthony Davis back when he was still with the Pels. Oh, yeah? And it was, it was, it was a pretty good one, too. So Booker has it in him. We just don't really ever think about it. It's kind of like, he, you know, if Cam Johnson posterizes somebody, you know, sometime next year, 
I don't think everyone's going to go, that's year? what he does. No, I'm just saying <laughs> he's done it, but it's right. not what you expect of him. So you don't think that he has that ability. But I was on Twitter today and somebody had put up a picture from that dunk. And the look on Booker's face almost said to me, even in his own mind, he was like, whoa, what am I doing? Where am I? Oh my God, don't mess this up. Oh my God, I just, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Because there's just kind of this mix between concentration, confusion, fear, shock and fear. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was great. And, you know, he ended up, even though the box score showed 19 minutes, he ended up playing more around 10 or so uh, because he had played seven going in. I think anybody that played in that fourth quarter, for whatever reason, box score just added 12 minutes. Um, because I remember the, I think Kellen Olson had first tweeted out, you know, Booker's line when he came out in the fourth, Booker's final line, 19 minutes, six points, four rebounds. And I was kind of like, there's no way he played 19 minutes. Yeah. Um, but he did get in around, around 10, but even though the stat sheet wasn't stuffed, like we all like to see, I mean, he didn't hit any of the threes he took like he did the night before. I think it was the first time. Jazz. But, but yeah, it's that. And on top of that, I mean, you think about it, I, most of his threes that he missed were long. Yeah. That's just adrenaline, I think. But he still got kind of that all-star moment. Right. You know, that's something that will be remembered. He'll mm. remember it. Suns fans will remember it. And I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, as we see all-star games down the line, they show highlights of all-star games pass, that, that type of thing, you know, pops up, especially considering this all-star game is one that, really is monumental to a certain extent for the NBA, not only with it being the first all-star game after Kobe's passing, but also with it being the first all-star game with this, with this format format, and being what has to be. And I haven't seen every all-star game, but it has to be the most competitive all-star game that there's been ever in the NBA. I I wonder if, if they'll figure out something in some way to, try to keep that competitiveness in the previous three quarters in some way, shape or form. I think the intent with the having like a charity goal and you win each quarter was like a hope that like they would get competitive, but I don't think that really happened as much. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, maybe if it was close in like the last two minutes, like, like the third quarter, yeah, the, the, the last, the last minute or two got pretty competitive. There were even intentional fouls. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, maybe they could, but I think it's a lot to ask these guys to go out there and play in an exhibition game mm. and play like they did in the fourth quarter throughout the entire game. Right. And as a fan, when Devin Booker came out in the fourth, I was I was like, oh, man, that sucks, you know, because I figured he was done. Yeah. But then as that game got as physical as it got, I was kind of like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm okay having Book sitting on the bench right now. As much as I would love him to have the opportunity to kind of make big shots down the, down, down the stretch there, with the luck that the Suns have, uh, some freak accident would have happened and he would have gotten injured and, and then we would all be sitting here being like, great, now the rest of the season's just completely... Yeah. So, but let's talk briefly on, on Booker's three-point performance. I mean, rounds of 27, 26 from the guy who still holds the record for most points in a round... Right. In a year when they didn't have the additional six points from these two deep balls, um, you know, he, he put on he put on a clinic and that last that last three by um Heald? Buddy Healed, it was like in slow motion to me. I'm just <laughs> like I'm like, Oh, don't go in, don't go in, don't go in. And and he made it and kudos to him, but yeah. you, you would have loved to see that for Booker to to be 
the replacement guy who comes in and then wins the three-point contest. But at the same time, he's the replacement guy who came in without any prep. Right. And still finished second. Yeah, he's got some muscle memory. He, I mean, compared to some of the other guys, he's, he's done it like, was this his like... Fourth, I believe. Is it fourth year in a row? Not, I don't know if it's in a row. Maybe it is. Well, well I guess it would probably... Or is it, it would three be, and four? It would basically almost did have he, to be did he, did he do it last year? I honestly don't I can't remember. Because I, I know he, obviously he won it that first year, and then he had to come back as the defending champion. I think he, I don't remember. I just know he's done it, this is at least his third. It'll probably be his last, at least, or for a bit, until he becomes a perennial All Star. Right. Yeah. So Booker. Yeah. So Booker won it two years ago. So then he would have done it last year, presumably, right? Um, and then was it only two years ago that he won it? Yeah, it was seventeen, eighteen. He he won it. Um, but at at any rate, you know, it would have been nice for him to 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 snag that. But at the same time, he showed up well, and again without really any prep. Um, Made 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 Suns fans proud. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously the hope is that you know either the 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 hope is that the Suns finally take that next step and do truly become competitive mm-hmm. next season, and the Suns' record become doesn't become a knock on his candidacy for an All Star. Right. You know, where it's like, oh, he didn't get it because his team still kind of sucks. Because, I mean, they don't. It's just the West is really packed. Right, exactly. exactly. You know, I mean, they're not great, but, I mean, just from the standpoint of um, how much they've improved year over year, you know, he's, he deserved to get some type of recognition and credit for that. Because he's been a big part, of, big part of that situation. So, you know, assuming our guys get healthy and can are able to stay healthy next season and not be suspended. Big part, big, big part, part of it. Um, yeah, that, and, and hopefully we are trending in the right direction. And, and so it was Booker's fourth time. Okay. So he did it, and that's why I was kind of quiet there. He did it in 2016, um, 2018, which is the year that he won it, 19, and then this year. So... That's 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 a lot for a guy who's in yeah. his fifth year. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, let's let's take a quick break and we'll get into some of those health points that you brought up because James Jones today came out and said that the Suns expect to have everybody but Frank ready to go after the All Star break for the first game against the Toronto Raptors. So we'll chat about what exactly that means for the team and and where we see that leading them. All right. As we mentioned going into the break there, James Jones was on Burns and Gambo today doing his uh, weekly interview. He was asked about the health of the team. I shouldn't say he was asked. He actually brought up after the All-Star break, you know, we're going to have our guys back. We're going to be healthy and we're going to, you know, get our get our full allotment of, of, of players back that we've been missing. Followed up asked to confirm that everyone's going to be back, and he basically said everybody but Frank. Um, Frank's still not going to be back, but the Suns are going to have Dario, they're going to have DeAndre, they're going to have Baines, uh, and I bring up those names in particular because those are the front court guys who last episode we were talking about the Suns have missed so much. And not to rehash what we discussed before, but again, injuries happen in the NBA, yeah, but when you have them all coming at front court, at the front court position, and 
taking away any depth that you really have at the four and the five, it's certainly going to impact the team, and, and we've seen that happen. Well, we should have just played like the Rockets. Right, because yeah, we saw how well that worked for the Rockets against the Suns. That's the only <laughs> example I'm going to use ever about the Rockets is that game against the Suns um, because obviously they've won other games, but we'll have use they, the Have Suns. they lost any other games? <laughs> I don't think so, actually. <laughs> I don't think so. So maybe they're onto something. They better hope the Suns don't sneak into the playoffs then because they're yeah. screwed. Um, but that would be a hell of a finish if the Suns sneak into the playoffs. It certainly would, making up what six, six, six and a half games six or whatever they're out. Yeah, yeah. We we don't need a. We, let's delve into that if we feel the hope that it could potentially happen. And even me being my optimistic self. I'm not exactly holding my breath expecting the Suns to make the playoffs um, here this year. But regardless. We didn't expect them to make the playoffs coming into this season. It's true. That's true. It was uh, that, that, that hot start ruined it for everybody. It ruined it for everybody. But, um, you know, I went back and, and the idea of having Baines, Aiton, and Saric all available together in a game made me kind of wonder, hmm, how often has that actually happened this year? And Paul, I know I already asked you this. I don't know yeah. if you remember my answer, so I'm hoping you didn't because I'm going to ask you again. Take a take a guess or provide information you already know, depending on which one it is, <laughs> as to how many games Aiton, Baines, and Sarge have all been available for the Suns this season. A comical amount. It is a comical <laughs> amount. It is a grand total of 12 games. Now take a guess out of those 12 games how many the Suns won with those three available? A less than comical amount? I would call it a borderline impressive amount. <laughs> I would call it actually, nay, I would call it an impressive amount. The Suns in those 12 games where all three of those guys have been available are seven and five. And in one of them where all three were available, Sarge, I think only played like four minutes because I think that was the game that he ended up getting injured in, mm. or at least one of the times. So, and that was a loss. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But Regardless, you have that 12 game, obviously a small sample size, but that's a winning percentage that if you extrapolate it out over a season, gives you a 45-46 win team. I'd take it. I would absolutely take it. And and there were teams that they played in there that they beat. They beat the Knicks twice. Yeah. Um, they, they beat um, Sacramento. They beat Charlotte. They beat Orlando, who, well, you know, you don't think much. They're technically they're a, they're a playoff team right now in yeah. the East, uh, but they also beat Portland and they beat Boston. Uh, so, so they they beat some heavy hitters or at least strong hitters yeah. uh, out of those seven wins, and and that's kind of to the point that we had discussed before and the difficulties that it comes with having these injuries all overlapping and all being in the front court position and how that impacts a team like this. Again, as a team is built, if healthy, or at least if relatively healthy, or at least if not unhealthy all at the same time, right. it's a team that could be built to be a 500-ish, high 30s win team at worst, or if we again extrapolated out a 45-46 win team. I'm not necessarily saying that if they keep all three of those guys healthy for the rest of the year, they're going to be a I-55 winning percentage team throughout the end the rest of the season but it shows exactly what type of impact having those three guys not available to play with one another uh, on a regular basis um, has had on that team yeah I mean it's 
it'll just it'll just be nice to have essentially a full complement of a team for you know as long as their health allows. Right. Fingers crossed. Um, just because you know the Suns arguably like some of their losses was just due to you know there were a couple games there where they just lost due to fatigue. You right. know they could the the roster was so depleted. You had guys like what, what was it? Um, like Aiton played like forty two, forty four minutes on the second night of a back to back in at least one of those games. You know that that's not. And then he got injured shortly after that. That money he might even got injured in that game. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, having those guys out or having one or two of those guys out is going to force the team, if it wants to stay in games and be competitive in games, to stretch the minutes that other players play, like like your example of Aiton. Uh, and, and that creates not only the issue of fatigue at the end of a game, but again, as you pointed out, uh, you know, the potential risk of, of, of injury. When, you, when that fatigue sets in, then, you know, you're not as cognizant of what's going on you're more prone to to lapses that could result in injury and what have you so i am excited to see a how long we can have those guys available all at the same time and and b what that ultimately does does for this team and i think that you know we we might you know we we won't necessarily see the seven and four team that we saw at the start of the season maybe um but i think we'll see uh, a, a team that is less the team who has gone through long losing streaks and who has burnt out at the end of games and what have you. Uh, and, and I think that extends also to the rest of the guys, because if you're not having to tax your bigs, then guys like Devin Booker aren't having to press as hard throughout the entirety of the game. That's not to say he's not going to be playing hard, of course, but not have to press as hard and, and also not be as worn down. So I think it's really a ripple effect throughout the entire team when you have your front court as depleted as it has been, and, and hopefully these guys can, can stay healthy and we can see a solid second, quote-unquote, second half of the season, also known as last 27 games, which is not half at all, but you know what I mean. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just hoping... Uh... Baines's uh, offense comes back even slightly. Like I don't expect the the nuclear start that he had to the season, but it'd be nice if it wasn't the poop on a porch that mm-hmm. was after he came back from his first injury. Um, you know, just to kind of round out that bench a little bit from a scoring perspective. Um, it'll be interesting um, seeing. You know, Baines Dario's now like going to be probably a full time bench guy because. Clearly, that starting unit um, is arguably the best in the NBA mm-hmm. statistically. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's um, that's going to continue, and how that affects the rest of the rotation um, will be interesting to see. Um, you know, the bench is still a little light on scoring, so we'll see how that goes. But. Um, having players is better than not having players. Right, exactly. And and you know, the other thing that I will be interested in and in, in seeing how this develops is the the pickup of Jonah Bolden. Because 
you know, he's he's a guy that had we had him earlier in the year, and, and this is obviously based off of his one game sample size. But had we had him in earlier in the year, then perhaps some of that front court lack, that lack of front court because of injuries, wouldn't have been as impactful. Because you know, he he came in to to that game and uh, the one game they played against Golden State, and and certainly made an impact not only in the minutes that he ate up giving productive court time, but also in, you know, how he played he, right. you know, in that one game, he played 26 minutes fresh off signing a 10 day contract. He plays 26 minutes, scores six points, <coughs> excuse me, seven rebounds, two blocks, a steal. And in that game, he had the second highest plus minus of the team right. behind cam. So even if, something happens and one of those guys which I'm sure will happen at some point there's a likelihood that DeAndre Saric and or Baines will miss some time again hopefully Bolden's a guy that you know if he ends up sticking around yeah we got uh, two more games and then yeah and and you know if he performs like this and and fills that role then I don't see why the Suns don't don't keep him around especially now that you know my my favorite for a potential waiver slash pickup uh, has now officially signed, or not? Maybe not official yet, but is going to be signing with the Clippers and Reggie Jackson. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see. I guess that's really all we can say at this point. You know, yep. we've we've endured what we have. Yep. We've seen the ups and downs. We had a hot start to the season. We had some lulls during the season, and now maybe with this stronger complement of players available to the team, we'll see that turn into some some wins which we'll get into next episode uh how we think the suns are going to do as a whole for the remainder of the season but it will be interesting to see how the health holds up and how that ultimately affects affects the team and let's not forget that this first game here after the all-star break will be the first game for deandre Ayton after his first three-point attempt in like the regular course of a game this season so I think he shot one earlier this year, but I think it was like kind of like a buzzer heave. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that DeAndre Ayton will take at least one three in the Toronto game. Will he make a three? Look, baby steps, Paul. <laughs> I just want to start shooting them first, and then, and then we'll worry about making them. But yes, he will. But yes, he's not he going to shoot them if he doesn't make them. He'll, he'll, get, he'll get gun shy. Well, time will tell, I guess, yes. right? Time will tell. So, okay, <laughs> healthy sons, please stay healthy, please stay healthy, please stay healthy. I want all three of those guys available in the rotation for the rest of the year so we can truly see what this team is made of. And I want all the guys available in the rotation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of them. All of them. All right, well, any final thoughts here, Paul, before we wrap up this episode of Fan in the Flames? No, I'm good. All right, well... Like we always say here on Fanning the Flames, we do appreciate you guys listening. Let's look forward to Devin Booker being named an All-Star again next year and DeAndre Ayton continuing to develop into an All-Star caliber player. And depending on when you're listening... Oh, wait, let me step back. You can, as always, find me on Twitter. I'm associate J. Paul. I'm at Dervish of World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. Subscribe to the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network find us on brightsideofthesun.com and until next time depending on when you're listening have yourself a good morning good afternoon or good evening don't forget to get your pets spayed or neutered just want to hear you say
Yeah, yeah.